You know, it was uh, 19 years ago, Miss Laura and I came from Seattle, Washington to Central Florida with a dream. And that dream was to bring God's love to the city one person at a time and see people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And for 19 years, through the ups and the downs and all the different things that have taken place, it's been amazing to see God at work through us and the lives, not only just us, but our team and then our congregation to bring his love to this community. And along the way, God always has special people. God has people in all of our lives because we can't do this together. God has people that he brings alongside of us to always encourage us at just the right time. And City Church was about a year old, and I had the privilege of meeting this man. I mean, at that time, Northland Community Church was one of the fastest-growing churches in America. And uh, not only did I have the privilege of meeting this man, but uh, he invited me to be part of his small group. Dr. Joel had a small group, and he invited me and several other pastors to be part of his small group. And for three years, Northland Community Church was a partner with City Church. They sponsored us for $1,000 a month. Come on. Can you give them a great big hand? But it wasn't just the money. It was the relationship. And uh, to have Dr. Joel and Becky, who's down here in the front row. Becky, can you stand real quick? Can we give Becky a great big hand this morning? To have him partners in ministry in the city, we are just so honored. And, and today, Dr. Joel Hunter uh, heads up a ministry that he's founded called the Community Resource Network. Uh, he's, he's doing what, what he calls, I'm doing the best imitation of how to live like Jesus lived. And Dr. Joel's heart is to minister to the marginalized and to the homeless of our community. And this nonprofit that he has founded specifically deals with those issues here in Seminole and Orange County in the Central Florida community. Without further ado, I want you to give Dr. Joel Hunter a great big City Church welcome. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, let's welcome Dr. Joel Hunter this morning. Thank you. You can be seated, please. We're so honored to be here. Uh, my best friend and I, uh, Becky, has, have been huge fans of Pastor Eugene and Laura since they moved to the city. <clears throat> and, uh, and it's been such an honor to watch this church impact uh, this entire city, not just grow like it has, uh, with this deep sense of worship um, and honoring of Christ. Uh, but to make a, a larger impact than that. And so um, I'm honored to be here on the occasion of his birthday. This is awesome. Um, and, and, and let me tell you what we're going to do today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach on, I'm kind of stuck right now because I'm preparing for a tour and a cruise that I'm going to be leading in Europe um, uh, about the Reformation in 2019. So I've been studying about the Re Reformation, and I'm, I'm pretty stuck on the center verse of the Reformation, which is Romans chapter, uh, center verses, uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 are the theme of the entire book of Romans. And Romans, of course, is the great theological center of all of the New Testament. Um, and and, and in, this, in these verses... Luther finally found the grace to separate himself from institutional religion that had kind of a racket going, you know, 
they would release your shame for a time for contribution and good works, you know, but it was, it was, it, you know, and, and Luther, who was just a little bit obsessive compulsive, you know, and really anal retentive. Uh, I'll explain more of that in another setting, but, um, but, but he just couldn't find the freedom until he got to these verses, and he truly understood these verses. So here's what I want to do today. I want to bring to you a word from the outside, you know, a word from someone who doesn't usually go here, although who knows. Um, I'm, I'm checking out all the churches right now in town. <laughs> but but, I, but I, what, what happens when a kind of an outside person comes in who has heard about you and has longed to be with you. That's exactly the setting of Romans. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 8, Paul writes this, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. City Church has a reputation in this community of really being loving people who really care for people other than their own congregation. And so it's, it's wonderful to be uh, here. And then he says this, always in my prayers, making request, if perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you might be established. That's why I'm here today. I want to impart some spiritual gift to you that couldn't come from an inside voice. It has to come from an outside voice because it sees you as the community sees you, not just as you see yourselves from the inside. And so let me, let me go to the text, the text verses here, because I want to show you the, the role that City Church has that is that may be beyond what you had understood just trying to form a church, just trying to form a loving church, just trying to serve the community, just trying to be uh, a, a, a resource to the neighborhood. But God has you in a role much bigger than that. God's plans for you are always bigger than your plans for you. His, his, when he knitted you together in your mother's womb, he, he had in mind something. Your days were ordained when there was not yet as one of them. The same thing is true for a church. You have a role to play no other church can fulfill. He is knitting you together because he has in mind for you a mission that no other church can fulfill. And so, and so let, me, let me get to the, uh, I'm, I'm almost starting to uh, preach my, uh, another sermon there. Uh, <laughs> let, let me get to verse 16. Paul writes this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let me just stop there. I want you to see what he's doing here. He's, 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 um, he's noting our tendency towards shame. Our tendency towards it. We're always ashamed of what we haven't done or what we have done. We've been taught to be shamed. Religion is notorious for making people ashamed. You know, the gospel is brilliant in releasing us from that shame. We do not have to live in shame anymore. It's taken care of. And so when, when Paul writes, I am not ashamed, he's saying, I'm not in the world or the religious 
um, uh, capacity of living in shame. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And here's the, the, the in, in Greek, it is euagelion, um, and it means good, you, euagelion, uh, message, the good news of the gospel, which is we're saved by grace, unmerited favor. See, shame doesn't have any place to stand when he says, well, it's unmerited favor. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. It's unmerited. That's the whole deal here. And so he says, I'm not ashamed of this word that made me not ashamed. I'm not going to live in the religiosity of an institution that will make you try to feel worthy, but you'll never feel worthy. I'm not going to dispense just little bits of forgiveness until the next time you fall down and then you're all ashamed again and then you got to come back and you got to do more good work and you got to contribute more and you got to do that. That's got nothing to do with it. It's got all to do with what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power. The Greek word here is dunamis. We get the word dynamite from it. See, when God sees you, do you know what kind of power he sees? The power of God working in you? Oh, my goodness. You think you're weak? God doesn't think you're weak. No, you're not weak. It says it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now, this would have been scandalous. First of all, let me go here. Let me go here. I want you to listen to me. Because I've got no vested interest other than I, I'm crazy about your pastoral couple here and about several of you I know. But, but, but this is, I want you to know I'm an objective voice here. And one that has been around for a decade or two in the church all over the world. So what I'm about to say to you is important in your estimation for yourself. Yeah, I heard a story once. This is just kind of a fantasy story. It's a pretend story. But you know those street... Um, those street artists that just paint on the street. Becky and I just got back from Havana, and, and there was a street artist that was marvelous. Well, in New York, there was a street artist, and it was just kind of like he was just slapping up paintings of clowns or something, you know, you know. And 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 he had a price on the paintings, and and one was twenty five dollars, and one was thirty dollars. And now, just pretend, because this is a story, and you can pretend anything you want. Just pretend that out of nowhere, Rembrandt shows up. And everybody knows it's Rembrandt. And Rembrandt starts to look at those pictures. And he starts to say to himself, oh, my goodness. Look at the way the artist has used light here. Look at the context and the combination of color. This is marvelous. What do you just think happened to the price of those paintings? Oh, yeah. What do you just think happened to the confidence of the painter? Oh, yeah. So, so I'm not Rembrandt, but I'm bringing you a word about you, about how marvelous you are and about how God has a plan for you. I want you to listen to this. It says to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. This would have been a scandal back then because Jews had, you know, like all institutional religion, closed in on themselves. And it was Jew and everybody who wasn't a Jew, you know, just like every church does, or most, most churches and, and, and all organized religion does, you know. And, 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 and this is saying, no, salvation to everyone who believes, 
the Jew, uh, um, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. It's important to understand what Jesus did when he came down here. I'm having a, a memorial service for a guy I loved this afternoon. He is a colleague of mine. He was on staff at Northland. Orlando Rivera was one of the most wonderful people uh, I think I ever knew. And I, and I loved this guy for a very strange reason. He was irritating. He was. He was irritating. As a matter of fact, he told his wife, I want to be a subversive. I want to be a subversive because I never want people to be satisfied in just staying in their own category. There was never a boundary that Orlando didn't want to cross. Uh, just to get to the other side and to kingdomize the other side. Kingdomize is a word I just made up. Just to kingdomize the other side. Jesus wanted to, you know why? Because that's where Jesus was. When Jesus talked to the woman at the well, John 4, 7, and he asked her for a drink, he immediately broke every worldly boundary in that culture. He, brought, he broke the gender boundary because men didn't talk with women. He broke the religious boundary because Jews thought Samaritans were heretics. He broke the cultural boundary because those two ethnic groups didn't have anything to do with each other. He broke every, he broke every bound, racial, they, 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 were, they were different, they saw themselves as different. He broke every boundary there was. Do you know what plans God has for us? To break the boundaries that the world has set in place. Those are worldly boundaries. Those aren't kingdom boundaries. Those aren't God's boundaries. God doesn't draw those boundaries. God has no boundaries. Everyone. But the, the Bible says, to Jew for, and then to the, see, our DNA is that we should go out. When Jesus said, go ye therefore into all the world, the, it's, it's the, 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 the uh, verb tense and mood is, is uh, present imperative, and, and it means as you are going. It, it's, it doesn't say go, goes not a verb. It's, of course you'll be going. Because that's your DNA. Because that's my DNA. That's how I made you. If you've got my DNA, you're going to go to break the, you're going to cross the boundaries. Because that's what you were made to be, even though it's scary. Can I tell you a story? When I was little, uh, my dad died when I was four years old. And, and some years later, my mom married this very nice man. Very nice, very conservative very conservative. He was uh, Catholic and, and, and just never did step foot in one of my churches. Just one of these, just like an old, old time Catholic. And, 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 but he lived with, with his mother and a cat until he was 40 years old and married my mother. And so, you know, he was just very careful. And of course, I'm a bouncing off the wall kid, you know, bless his heart for even coming into the house. And, 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 but back in that day, when you went on vacation, you went on vacation as a family. You know, the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents, and you know, you know, the whole family went. And we used to go up to Upper Peninsula of Michigan to this old fishing camp. Um, my grandmother didn't like it very much. She said, I don't know why you think it's a vacation. All the women have to do everything we got to do anyhow with none of the conveniences. I'm not sure, I'm not sure who's getting a vacation here. <clears throat> But anyhow, we'd go and, and, you'd, and you'd bring your own motor and, you, and they'd, they'd give you these old uh, wooden boats, you know, dead 
<laughs> dead worms floating in them. You know, nothing could be better for a kid. Look at the worms. Yeah, there's bait right there. We didn't have to go get bait. So anyhow, and you'd put your, your motor on. And so all the way up there, it took us like 20 hours to drive up because um, my, my dad was 10 and 2, never went over the speed limit. And, and, uh, and so, but all the way up there, I said, Dad, can I drive the boat when we get there? Can I drive the boat? Can I drive the boat? Can I drive the boat? Um, and, and I was just a little fellow. Oh, I'm still a little fellow. I was a very young fellow. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so finally, you know, just wearing him down like the woman and the judge, he said, okay, you know. Well, you know, we got up there and, and everything got arranged and we got the motor on the boat and, 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 uh, and uh, my grandfather who had a, who had heart problems had somebody uh, a young guy put a motor on on his motor on his boat well he, he arranged my dad arranged the boat and my mom was sitting in the bow and my sister who was perfect and still is very careful very proper very print you know she was on one side of the middle plank and I was on the other and my dad drove us out in the middle of the lake and he said okay now Joey he said I want you to stand up very slowly not yet you know when I tell you, stand up very slowly, and then I want you to just come back slowly and sit beside me. All right? Okay, go. Stand up slowly and come back and sit beside me. Sit down slowly. Don't rock the boat. Okay, now I want you to put your hand on the handle of the outboard motor. Carefully, carefully. All right? Put it on top of mine carefully. All right? Now, I'm going to take my hand away, and I don't want you to move the handle in any fashion. I don't want you to twist it. I don't want you to turn it. I just want you to put your hand on the handle. I said, okay. So he moved his, moved his hand out of the way, and I sat there for about maybe 10 seconds, and then he put his hand and said, okay, that's enough. That was it. That was it. I'm going, he calls that driving the boat. Well, of course, you didn't say anything because he was, you know, you didn't talk back to your elders back then. And so he, you know, he brought the boat back, you know, and, man, I was so disappointed, but I couldn't say anything. So I got out, and I'm on the dock, and I start walking up. My grandfather's up there. My, my grandfather's old cigar-chomping veterinarian, you know, never lit him, just chomped on him. Um, and he knew exactly what had happened. And he said, Joey, Joey Hunter, you come up here. Sit down beside me, boy. So I sat down beside him, my bottom lip, you know. <laughs> he said, you know what? I've been sitting here and I've been looking out at that island. You see that little island in the middle of the lake? And I said, yeah, Pop, I see it. He said, I just think possibly no human foot has ever set foot on that island, uh, except maybe for savage Indians, maybe they're on that island. And I think maybe on that island, there's like poisonous snakes and, and bears. And he said, I'd love to go explore that island, but I can't. He says, because I got kind of a weak ticker, you know, my boat's right down there, but I can't, I can't. He said, if I only knew a boy <laughs> who was brave enough, you know, and could drive the boat out to the, I said, Pop, 
I'm a boy. I'm brave enough. I can drive the boat. He looked surprised. He said, well, so you are. Well, would you do that for me? He didn't have to get me out of his mouth. I was in the boat. And I'd crank that thing up. I'd seen it done a dozen times. And I'd, brrr, I'm out in the thing all alone. Brrr, wind in my hair, doing all this I want, you know. And I started getting close to the island. And then I started remembering what he said. Did he say bear? Did he say Indians? Well, I thought maybe I ought to turn around. And then I thought, no, I can't. My pop needs me to go. He needs me to explore. He needs me to cross that boundary. See? I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it for my pop. And so I did. And it was scary. And I'd bring him back little prizes, you know, dead animal skeletons, you know. And he taught me all the bones of the animals. And I'd bring back berries. And I'd say, Pop, are these poisons? <gasps> Don't eat those. They'd kill you on the spot. Kill you dead on the spot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'd, I'd bring back a feather. I said, I, do you think this may have been worn by an Indian? Oh, I'm almost sure of it. Almost sure of it. With a knife in his teeth. <laughs> See, I, I got to tell you, our Father who is in heaven made us to cross that lake. He made us to go to that island. He made us to go where he wants to go. But he made us to be brave enough to go out to first to the Jew and then to the Gentile because this gospel is for everyone and God's not about boundaries. Now, let me tell you one more thing. In verse 17, this is what it says. For in it, the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, now, I, I, want, you to, I want you to just remember that phrase, is revealed from faith to faith See, well, I'll, 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 I'll finish it. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. By, but the righteous shall live by faith. Now, here's the gospel. Most people try to achieve some semblance of their own righteousness. The gospel was never about your righteousness, ever. As a matter of fact, the gospel was all about our inability for righteousness. But the righteousness of God, what is that? I mean, if, if you're a thinking person who is prone to guilt and shame, you know, you're, you're thinking, how could God ever count me as righteous? I mean, look at me. Anybody with a realistic look at me is not ever going to count me as righteous. God has to be realistic about this. Au contraire. I'm going to tell you a story, and I, I'm going to tell this again. Rasmus, I've already heard this from last week. I kind of argued with God. I said, God, I just told that story last week. He said, I want you to tell it again this week. So somebody in here must need to hear this story. You don't have to tell me, but I know somebody does. When I was, again, when I was little, God, I keep saying that. When I was young, <laughs> I went to a very formal church, First Church, Shelby, Ohio. 
first church. And all the women wore fruit on their hats. And all the men had pinstripes on their suits. And everybody was as sober and as somber as you can get. Even the church itself was sober and somber. Everything was dark. There was dark red carpet and dark woods on the on the all the pews and the organ was dark you know and even even the only stained glass we had in the whole place was Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane sweating blood I mean even even the art was dark you know the poor guy you know he's going to be killed and that's all I got to look at here but my grandmother would take my sister and I every week and sit between us because she was smart. Grandmothers are very smart. And she knows if you put two kids together, they're going to get the, you know. So she, now I was little, and Dr. Shoemaker was very distinguished, very dignified. And he'd come down the aisle in these flowing clerical robes, and he'd ascend to this tall pulpit. And he'd preach this, this, Sermon full of exquisite rhetoric, big words, huge words, multi-syllable words that a little kid couldn't understand. And my grandmother knew it, you know. I was sitting there feeling, this is, this is holy. There's something special about this place, but, but I can't understand what he's saying. But I could feel the holiness of the place. Well, my grandmother would slip me a butterscotch. You know, now here's the rule in Shelby, Ohio. When you're listening to the message, you don't make a sound. You don't make a sound. So here's the test for a, you know, five-year-old. Unwrap a butterscotch candy without making a sound. And, buddy, I want to tell you, I was an expert. I can do it to this day. <laughs> to this day. Do you know the patience that takes? And, and, and if you'd get impatient and, and maybe want to make a little bit more progress, you could cough. <laughs> but, you, but you didn't have too many coughs because people would turn around because that was a sound, you know? Well, I'd finally get that thing on on. on, on unwrapped and 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 then I'd pop it in my mouth but that wasn't the best part the best part was I'd stretch that cellophane that yellow cellophane between my thumbs and I'd put it up to my eye <laughs> and I'd close the other eye and all of that darkness turned to sunshine <laughs> when somebody explained to me God sees you through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It didn't take me two seconds to know that he was up there saying, Joey, he was looking through the cross of Jesus Christ. You look fine to me. You look powerful to me. That's the way he looks at you, and that's the way he looks at this con con congregation. Because he has something in mind for you that will impact the entire world. And I want, you to th I want you to hold that in your brain because we tend to kind of cut us ourselves off from the possibilities of I can never get, you know, um, uh, very far down the line before I fall again. 
Well, that's none of your business. Your, your business is get up again. That's all, your, that's all your business. That's the only business you got. Because God has said in Philippians 1.6, I am, am confident I can bring to completion the good work I've begun in you. All right? I know I can, and I know I will. And so, therefore, it's important for us to understand that every time we fail, especially when you fail in relationships. You know, I know some of you are kind of brokenhearted because you had a relationship that didn't work out. Let me tell you something. You just dodged a bullet. I, I, you may be hurting too bad to hear that right now, but if it didn't work out, you dodged a bullet. If you were rejected, you dodged a bullet. Yeah, I heard this story about this little kid in the fourth grade whose who's, who's, um, um, teacher came in one day, and she said, I want all of you kids to, to practice writing paragraphs, and, and why don't you write a romance story? Well, this kid's in fourth grade. He doesn't want to write a romance story. It's just yucky to him. But teacher said so, so he, so he writes, you know, for like three minutes. And then he's done, lays his pencil down. Everybody else is just, just getting started. And she looked at and, and he said, Bobby, are you done already? He said, yep. She said, would you like to read your story to the rest of the class? He said, okay. He got up and he, wrote, he read this. He asked, will you marry me? She said, no. And they lived happily ever after. <laughs> It's not always bad when it doesn't work out. But let me tell you the other side of that. God has built this universe so that we would be entangled in other people's success. You see, we are to be a blessing to every family on this earth. You know what that means? What that means is what we do isn't for our own benefit. It's for their benefit. And when we are blessed, we need to make sure they're blessed because we've been blessed. All right? Let me tell you one more story. When I was, when I was, uh, uh, had our first kids, <laughs> our only kids, uh, but I'm thinking of our oldest one right now. When he was, you know, kids like to, write, like to race. They, they always have, have to have contests. So everywhere we, we, we went, he'd say, Dad, race you, you know? And so I said, okay, go, you know, and we'd both start running. Now, I should have let him win every time but I didn't, you know, I'm thinking, kids got to face reality, you know, and <laughs> plus there's something in me that's really highly competitive, you know, and so, and so I'd, I'd wake it across the finish line, and I'd throw my hands up, and I'd say, I win, and he'd make it across the finish line, and he'd throw his hands up, and he'd look at me and say, I win too, you know, a kid doesn't understand only one can win, nor does a godly person. Every time we win, somebody else needs to win too. Come on and pray with me because I forgot to ask Pastor Eugene what time I should close. So let's close now. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for our Savior, Christ Jesus, who because he lost, we could win. And because we can win, others will win. Thank you that we do not have to have righteousness of our own, but that you have covered us with your righteousness. And you see all of the plans you made for us before we were even born. 
And that goes for churches as well as people. So I pray your blessing upon this church and that you will bring to completion that for which you created it in your power, in your glory, to the honor of your son. We pray in his name. Amen.